The title of this morning's message is Tackling Your Life with Faith. Tackling Your Life with Faith. Another title could be Tackling the Year with Faith. We're still in the beginning of the year. We're the beginning of March. We have a whole, how many months ahead of us? We have um, nine months ahead of us. But we need to tackle this year with faith. Fatroa, trust in God. So when you, when you wait on God, and you become still, you become quiet, suddenly start, God starts with amazing signs and wonders in and around your life. And, and I, I was blessed, we were blessed in December and January, and even two weeks ago, and right up to now, but where we just had some time to be with God and spend time with God and say, God, where are you taking us? What are you going to do? And the Lord did some amazing stuff. And one of them is, and I'm going to work backwards, I'm going to mention about five to six things. One of them happened the 3rd of January. When I dreamt the morning, a song that I sang 20 years prior. How many of you been in the charismatic renewal movement for 20 years and longer? All right. Do you remember this song? Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm. The rest of the words are, they rush on the city. They run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. The Lord honors his voice. The Lord honors his word. Great is the army that carries out his word. Is that a I love you Jesus song? Is it Jesus loves me song? What is a song? How do we categorize this song? It's a prophetic declaration. Who of you don't understand the meaning of prophetic declaration? Be honest. It's where God speaks and is giving direction to us as his church. He's telling us what to do and what's about to happen. Who of you know that we need a revival in the world? Who of you felt it is going crazier and crazier? It's getting worse and worse, when boys feel they want to become girls, and girls feel they want to become boys, and you've got 60 different genders, which are not genders. And it's being proclaimed off the rooftops of every newspaper, news broadcast. Have you been seeing this going on around us? Is it madness beyond madness? And who's going to stop this tide of ungodliness and brokenness? Who's going to stop it? You and I. Yes, but not on our own. We need the fire and the spirit of God to flow through us. And so the 3rd of January, I dreamt, I sang the song in my dream. And I, while I'm dreaming the song, I'm singing it in my mind. The Lord is saying to me, don't forget the song. I want to speak to you. Next morning, I wake up quiet time and the song's there. And I thought, oh, thank God I haven't forgotten it. And I go read the words, I get it on YouTube's got everything, by the way. The oldest charismatic song, YouTube's got it. Praise God for YouTube. Because I didn't know the title of the song, I just knew a few words. And right there, it jumped up. And I sang the song and I pondered, and the Spirit said to me, 
The scripture says the labor, the harvest, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. God is saying, and he said this 20 plus years ago when they wrote the song. Actually, it's written in, in apparently 1981. So it's 30, 40 years old. No, 41 years old, the song. And it was a prophetic song of now. And God said to me, I'm going to match the laborers to the harvest. Hello? The harvest is plenty. The laborers are no longer. No longer. Take your finger. No matter how old you are, sir. Take your finger. You know I'm looking at you, gentlemen, that I laughed with before the service. Take your finger. Point it to your chest. Say, I am the laborer. That will harvest the harvest that's plenty. God's spirit. You must say it, lady. God's spirit. God's spirit will explode in me and through me to reach Otsuurang and beyond in his name, Jesus Christ. And the Lord said to me, my son, I'm going to release my spirit. And we see, we've heard about what's happening in Kentucky. That's nothing. That's the beginning of a wildfire that's going to explode. We saw what God has done in this lady's life this morning. It's just the big, if God had to slap us with everything that, it's, that he wants to slap us, we would really be terrified. So he slowly but surely, he's massaging us. Through these things. Next week there will be four of you falling on the. Th- and next week there will be three people visiting your houses. And God opening the doors for them. There will be crazy stuff going on. The Bible says. No eye has seen. No mind has conceived. No ear has heard. What God has prepared. For us that love him. Do you think. That will only happen in heaven? Or do you think God has to prepare us for the crazy wow of heaven on earth already? That stuff starts here. Because we are part of the kingdom. We are already sons and daughters of the Most High. We are a peculiar people. A chosen people. That are weird. We are sojourners. We're going through this earth. We do not belong to the earth. We are here to reflect and to shine and to love people with the love of Christ in our own brokenness. I am broken, but yet God somehow, and he trusts me more than I trust myself, somehow uses us to lead you, to help you, to show you what God is showing us. I can only give you what God gives me. If I give you anything else that God doesn't give me, I'm in big trouble. But even God forgives me. When I make a mistake. He loves me enough. So basically. That song says. They rush on the city. They run on the walls. When you rush on a city. Is the city resisting you? Is it blocking you? No. You're rushing on the city. When you're running on a wall. Is that wall stopping you? No. You are running on the walls. How many walls do we have in ideology surrounding us. I've just mentioned people want to change their, 
their natural sexes. How many other walls are there of sin and brokenness around us? How many walls do you have in yourself? How many fears do we have in ourselves? How many blockages and hindrances do we have in ourselves? God says, none of the walls of political correctness, wokeness, what do you call all the stuff they call these days? All the stuff going transvestite, the, the LBGTQ, brr, the whole alphabet, etc. None of that is going to stop us. The army of God that will rush on the city and run on the walls from proclaiming the love of Christ to everybody around us. And you are part of that army. The laborers are many and they're enough for the harvest that's plenty. Look and see the space. Look and see the space on your own heart. Start doing those crazy stuff that God tells you to do. How do you know that God's speaking to you? It's when he tells you to do something that will cost you a price. Because we don't want to pay a price. Who here is totally unselfish? Raise your hand. Who here tends to be selfish? Who here tends to be self-centered? So when you get a thought or an idea to do something or say something to somebody or for somebody, and it's going to cost you your dignity, it's going to cost you money, it's going to cost you time, it's going to cost you energy, it's going to take humility, I can promise you it's from God. 90%. Sometimes we are self-martyrs. God doesn't ask us to always martyr ourselves. I've seen people martyr themselves and God hasn't told them. Because they have selfish ambition. They want a martyr to be seen. See, if you're doing unselfish stuff to be seen, eh, it's not the Lord. God will use it. He'll use it. But generally, 99% nearly, when you are told to do something and it's going to cost you something, It's a spirit whispering in your ear. My son, my daughter, go do it. Go do it. I'm with you. I'm behind you. One of, we had amazing things happen. I'm not going to share all of it. One of the most amazing things that happened, a friend phones me in December. He says to me, Mac, my wife and I have to make a major decision. And will you please pray for me and ask God for a word? But I won't tell you the decision we must make. I want God to speak through you. Now, I can be prophetic sometimes, but that's a bit of a heavy. Who would feel a bit intimidated by a request like that? Who would want to run away? Yana, you wouldn't. You're a belle. She comes from such anointed family. And they sit with their own cracks, like we all do. They're not perfect. But they've meant a lot to many nations. Her grandfather, grandmother. Solid blood. By the spirit. The faith of uh, uh, Timothy's mother and grandfather's faith is upon her. Mighty. God's going to give her an amazing husband. It's even more anointed than she is. From another anointed family. You'll see. So. He asks me. Davi's putting some last lapis. So, 
he asks me and I say, okay. And, I, and usually when somebody asks me to pray for them, I just pray. And um, I, I don't um, necessarily go wait for a word. I just, I really pray. And now he's asking me for a word. So now I'm saying, God, speak to me for this brother. And I see a picture of him and his wife walking in this muddy road. And as they're walking on this muddy plaspot farm road, the clay is sticking to their trousers like big chunks of clay and their shoes are covered with mud. Wet. You know, when you put your foot in about half a meter of mud, it like sucks, you know? It sucks you. Have you, have you done that before? Who swam? Who swam? Who is? Yeah, swam. Swam. Who swam on a farm fam? On a farm fam. Farm dam. Who swam on a farm fam? Farm dam. If you haven't done it yet, do it again. Do it. Above the mud, there's this jelly layer. Oom, jy sal weet. Net op a plaasdam geswemd die jonger was. Nee. Ja. The above the mud, there's this jelly layer. It's the softest, nicest feeling to step into that jelly and then experience the soft mud underneath. Who, who wants to run away from a farm dam after that description? Okay. It's the nicest thing. It's like swimming in jelly. Who's ever swimming in jelly? It's stunning. Forget about the mud. Anyway, so I'm off my topic. I'm entertaining you. My wife says, I entertain people, she grounds people. <laughs> so no, she doesn't say that. So now this couple are walking. I see them walking in this mud and it's hard. You know, they have to pull out their foot and oh, push it in and it sucks and it's full of mud. And, it's, and the next minute I see them on this tar road and I see a fireman hosing them down. And I sense that's God. But the fire hose isn't turned on its fullest. So they're not, you know, when you use a fire hose, you push the whole person, you can knock the person off their feet. But he's gently hosing them down. And then I see them walking on this tar road. And then I see them walking on this beautiful pathway, like, you know, have you seen the Scottish Highlands? It's green fields and little yellow sheep. Oh, yellow sheep. White sheep. White sheep. And, and I see them walking on this farm road. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, God, I must give this man a word and you give me this crazy picture. So I voice note the picture to him. His name is Richard. I say, Richard, yes, I don't understand what God's saying. Maybe you do. While I'm sending this message, God drops a scripture in my heart. I don't know what stands in that verse. Psalm 82 verse 3. In Psalm 82 verse 3 it says, look after the orphans. Don't neglect the orphans. Don't neglect the destitute. Now I'm more confused than ever. Them walking on these three different roads and this verse. So I send it to him. He contacts me right away. He says, Mac, you won't believe it. The decision we must make is whether we should take in a 17 year old girl that is like an orphan. She's destitute. Wow, God, God knew that. And so I asked him a bit more information. He says to me, her mother is a drug addict and alcoholic. Her mother, she's one of six children. Her mother was his wife's best buddy 20 years ago. 20 years ago, his wife was a drug addict with her mother. 
And her mother said, will you be, God, will you be a godmother to my firstborn child? Subsequently, she's had six what other men, and she's got a child with every other husband, or not husband, boyfriend. This is the oldest child. This child has had to not, could not go to school because she must look after her siblings. She must look after her brothers and sisters because mother is too intoxicated and the mother's new boyfriend is too intoxicated. And she phoned them. She's not been in contact with them for years. But she knows this lady is something like a, could be a caretaker for her. And she says, please, can I come stay with you? I want to go back to school. I want somebody to take care of me. I'm only 17 years old. And they praying and say, God, this is a big decision. We are saying we're going to adopt this girl now. And God says, you must do it. Isn't that powerful? And I believe, like we heard this morning, the story of literally God taking this little girl, which isn't that she's what, 19, 20? 20, she's busy being trained in a certain part of this town. I don't know if I may share or not. I'm not going to. She's being trained. She's part of one other training course here in the town. And they probably spiked her drink. But somebody's praying for her. God literally took her out of darkness and placed her in his marvelous light. He literally transported her over that big fence of this. She broke some of the points. And she's not badly hurt. Literally, I can see how an angel took her, helped her. Took her down, opened the door. None of the boys left the doors open. They're not guilty. The Lord opened the door. Or he made them forget. And the Lord, no, he's saying it's not me. And the Lord literally put her in a safe bench so she can sleep. Somebody's praying for her. This, this is signs and wonders and miraculous stuff will follow the children of God. And we are part of, there's not going to be a one man show. The one man show is busy moving out. God's going to be the plenty, plenty people show. We're all going to be used by the Lord in a mighty, mighty way. So Romans 1 verses 12 and verses 17 says, When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. Verse 17, this good news, this is now the New Living Translation. Is, it, is this the new living? This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Let's go look at the Amplified. Same verses. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged and comforted by each other's faith, both yours and mine, Paul speaking here. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith. You can't walk in faith unless you have faith. You can't speak faith unless God has deposited faith in your heart, unless you've discovered the reality, the love, and the faithfulness of God, who do you trust? God has to be a greater reality to you. His love, his faithfulness, his commitment has to be a greater reality to you and me for us 
to act upon what he's told us about himself and to talk faith and live in faith. Does that make sense? Hello? All right. So as it is written and forever remains written, the just and up, read it with me. The just, is it on the board? The man who's through faith is just, okay. Maybe different. It's not the amplified. Never mind. Say it after me. The just and upright shall live by faith. Is it right now? The just and the upright shall live by faith. Other translation says the just shall live by faith. I want to encourage you to have stubborn faith. To have windgat faith. To have tenacious faith that just will not give up. Do you know that a bull terrier dog, a bull terrier dog, when it bites an intruder, its jaws lock. Have you seen these guys with these padded jackets and they, they want to teach the dog to defend them or defend whatever and, they, and the dog bites and its jaws lock? With all respect to the great almighty that loves us, we have to say, God, I want to have jaws that lock into you because I'm trusting you so much I will not give up. That my jaws of faith will bite and lock and my jaws will lock. I will not give up to you. How much faith did Abraham have? How much faith did Noah have? He built a boat. He didn't know what he was building. He'd never seen it rain. Scripture says it hadn't rained until then. The earth was wet by springs. How much faith do you have when you build for 80 plus years something you don't know what you're building and everybody's laughing at you and calling you a fool? That's at the expense of your status, your dignity. But what he built saved him, saved mankind. None of us would sit here had Noah not been obedient. There would be no human race. So God, I want to have faith. The faith that you want me to have. Let's look at verse, let's go look at verse um, 12. It says, let's go visit it. When you think of General conversation. Is your conversation filled with faith or with doubt? Ah, I'm not sure it's going to happen. Ah, it might not happen. Yes, it's going to happen. When you speak, the people sitting, I presume you're all sitting around friends and family. Or friends. Ask the person next to you. Do I speak faith or do I speak doubt? Who's, who's brave enough to do that? If you know the person next to you, don't know the person next to you, do it right now. Do I speak faith or do I speak doubt? A little bit of both. What is faith? Faith is being sure of what we hope for. It's not a I hope so. It's a no so hope. It's not a hope so hope. It's that I know that I know my hope's true. Faith is being sure of what we 
hope for and being certain of what we do not see. That's faith. Faith isn't, yes, yes, and then, uh, is it happening? Ah, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, then something happens. Yes, maybe. And then disappear. No, no, no. That's not faith. Faith is being certain, being sure of what we hope for. It's not, ach, ek hoop so, het gaan gebeur, and you actually don't believe it. I hope it's going to happen. Do you see the difference? Ach, I hope it's going to happen. <laughs> I hope it's going to happen. Do you see the difference? I don't see. I don't see a financial breakthrough. I don't see my mother and father getting saved. I don't see my boss changing. But you know what? My faith is not in what I see. My faith is I'm certain of what I say it. Certain of what I of what I I'm going to keep pointing at you of what I do not see. Say it with me. Being certain. What I do not see. God loves you. More than you can think, dream or imagine. I know the world has treated you badly. Doesn't represent Jesus' love for you. You ain't seen nothing yet. Next week it's going to be you. Thank you, Jesus. So when we have faith, we encourage one another. When we have faith and we speak faith, we have talk of faith, we comfort one another. The stories we shared this morning, Darby, myself, has it encouraged you? Or has it made you depressed? Who has it, who has it made depressed? Who's made you doubt? Has it built your faith? So we must talk faith. We must live faith. And be sincere and honest with God. If you say, Lord, I don't have faith. Who here says, I struggle to have faith? And I'm with you. I lack faith. You know what scripture says? You can ask God for faith. You can say, Lord, give me faith. If you lack faith. Let's go look at verse 17. And I'm going to kick off unpacking. I'm not going to take much longer. I have many more points. But this morning service, God has taken over. So I don't mind. It's his message, not mine. So verse 17, let's go look at verse 17 again. And then I'm going to share a testimony to, to unpack verse 17. Verse 17 says, for the gospel, let's do the amplified if you can. For the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Both springing from faith and leading to faith. Is it say the same there? Yeah, it does. Disclosed in a way that awakens more faith. Hey? Faith creating faith. As it is written, and forever remains written, the just and upright shall live by faith. It's a lot of faith in that sentence, that verse. It's a bit confusing, isn't it? You have to sit down, read two words, and then think, read two words, and think. Am I right? Can I explain it a bit to you? I grew up as a Catholic. And in the Catholic church, my dad, I didn't grow up my whole life. Until the age of 10, I would religiously go every Sunday with my dad to the Catholic church. My mom didn't go to the Catholic church. She, was, she came from Dutch Reformed roots. My dad's Lebanese. 
My mom's Afrikaans, so I'm a good pavement special. Who's with me at pavement special? None of us are pure blood. What is pure blood? The blood we have is the most important blood there is. The blood of Jesus. We children of God, we have the blood of Jesus. You are a prince and a princess because you belong to a king. The king of not a little country on the earth. The king of the universe. Nobody else will give you more importance than you belonging to God. Not your spouse, not the community, not your job, not your money. Nothing can give you value more than God, the creator. That says to you, when you talk to me, I'm your papa, daddy. The Our Father says, Our Father. It says, Abba, close daddy. Daddy, daddy, God. He says to you, the way you relate to me, you're part of my family, I'm your dad. If a random stranger tells you, you are my son, Immediately tells you you belong to him. You have an inheritance. You have provision. You have care. So this great God is my God. Why I'm on this topic, I don't know. But Catholic. And then from the age of 11, I started going with my mom to the Assemblies of God Church. Who of you have been to a Catholic church? It's totally different to anything else you've experienced. Am I right? Catholic versus... The rest of the church world is very different. Catholic versus assemblies of God is like. First time I heard people speak in tongues. Davi can teach you about tongues whenever. If you don't know what tongues are. It's a heavenly language. That God's spirit speaks through you. Through your mouth. To himself. He builds you up in your spirit. And he gives us this gift. Satan doesn't understand it. You don't understand it, but God understands it. It takes lots of faith to speak in tongues. Now the flood of testimonies hit me. I can't go into them. I'm going to miss the topic here. So I'm a Catholic. My wife says, you must stay on your topic. Okay. So, Catholic. First time I hear people speaking in tongues. First time with my dad. I went to with my mom to the Pentecostal Assemblies of God Church. I hear them. I say, Dad, they are mad. They're mad. My mom looked at us. If looks can kill, I would have died. She looked at me and I just started laughing. It was so hilarious. And I say it with a lot of respect. I, I mean, I cannot live without speaking in my tongues. I cannot. It's a powerful weapon. But then I was stupid. I was ignorant. And so, was in a Catholic church, exposed to assemblies of God. But I had one big problem. The Catholic church taught me that if you don't repent for every little sin and you die, before you repent, you go to hell. Do you know that's a teaching of this? And if you don't do confessional and you don't Because you have to kind of pay for your sin. So you'd go to a little booth. The priest sits there. And to confess our sins one to another is biblical, by the way. But they've done it a bit different and not so right. So you'd go to the priest and he says, as punishment, go pray 10 Our Fathers and 20 Hail Marys. How crazy to equate punishment to communication and intimacy with God. Do you realize how wrong that is? 
So your punishment is to go talk to God. You're driving people away from intimacy with God. Your punishment is prayer. How crazy is that? In any case. So now I'm sitting with this fear. I'm saying, God. Say now I walk over the street and a car drives over me. And I've not had time to repent that I was upset with so and so. Or angry or jealous. Or will I go to hell? And, and then when I was 18 years old. No. Nine. 19, second year at university, I read through the book of Romans. Romans 3, Romans 4. And God says, by faith you are made righteous. Even though you are sinning, my righteousness stands. As long as you pursue serving me, as long as you see your sin, you turn it, your heart is to break away from it. But I don't expect you to be perfect in your own strength. You need me. And the closer you get to me, the more you will become like me. But there's a journey. And in that journey, if I choose to take you away, you're not disqualified. Because your salvation does not come by your own holiness. Your own good works. Your salvation comes by what? By faith in God. Real faith produces good works. But it's not good works. Not obeying the Ten Commandments that gets me into heaven. It's God that piggybacks me on his back. And it's called imputed, given righteousness. And we'll look at a verse now. now. Maybe we should do that right now. Hebrews. We're going to skip a couple of verses. Let's go to the Hebrews verse. Hebrews 10 verses 14. For by a single offering, Jesus hanging on the cross, he has perfected for all time those who are, what does that say to you? You're on a journey of becoming Christ-like, but you haven't arrived yet, but you're already perfect while you're sinning. Is it not too good to be true? That's Righteousness of God given to you and to me. Just by faith. When Christ hung on the cross, he said, the most amazing words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You know, by saying that, he did the most kindest, loving, most meek, the most ding. The most meek act that any human being can do. He's saying, Father, I give them a blank check of forgiveness. They just have to believe it. Believe me for doing it. I've signed the bottom. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He, gives us, he signed the blank. He says, just put your faith in me. Tell me, I can't. I'm a mess. But I trust you to fix this mess. I know I'm guilty. But I trust you. I put my faith. So Davi, can you quickly just do something with me? I am Jesus. He is the sinner. And he's piggybacked on my back.
It's not his righteousness. It's not his lack of sin. It's the faith and the love of the Most High God. You are given. Let's read that verse again. For by a single offering. What's that offering? Jesus Christ. He has perfected. Who has he perfected? So nice to see you guys. Welcome. We missed you Wednesday and Thursday. We still forgive you and love you for not coming. Just teasing. I know them well. Well, I used to know them well. Do you forgive me for what I've just said? <laughs> By single offering, he has perfected for one year, for a month. Who has he perfected? Take your finger. Point it to yourself. Say, he has perfected me for all time while I am being sanctified. What is sanctified? Becoming more like Jesus. He's given us the end reward while we are filling the shoes of that reward. While we are growing up to become that reward. It's given righteousness and it's pursuing righteousness. It's two different railway lines. Isn't that amazing? So now, if that is your biggest truth, if you know that God has given you right standing, he's forgiven you. And I realize as a Catholic, when I read these verses, go read Romans 3 from the middle and to middle of Romans 4. Go read it. It's there. And it's in Galatians. It's in a whole lot of scriptures. When I realized that, I cried. I cried for days. I said, God, how can you forgive me as a sinner? I'm so, I'm so wicked in my thoughts and my... God says, but that's my love. You trust me. You put faith in me. I have cleaned you. And even though you sin, I see you through the blood that I shed for you. I see you washed. And the more that love became my truth, the more I wanted to be holy. Out of appreciation. It's like Davi's three kids. They want to please him. But they make many mistakes. How many times have you told them one instruction and they keep breaking that same instruction? Lock the door. <laughs> Although God was behind you not locking the door. God was in that, eh? Because God used that. How many times does God instruct his child? How many times has God used Davi to instruct his kids? How many times have they failed? My kids. Do they suddenly not become my children? Do I throw them away? Have you thrown your kids away for the same instruction they've broken a thousand times? Have you? Then why do you think God will do it with you? Come on, man. The love you have for your kids comes from who? If you love your kids so much and you are wicked and I am wicked, how much more does God not love you? Take your hand and slap yourself. Wake up. Come on, everyone. Near Daistesach. Daistesach. Huh? Simon? Yourself good geklap. 
Wake up. Let's wake up. If we that are wicked and unrighteous love our kids so much, how much more does God love us? Do we suddenly no longer uh, become his child? Are we disowned, disinherited? Is God fickle? Is the cross a loss or is it a victory? It's a victory. There's lots of other verses we're going to close. Would you close your eyes? And right now, while you are sitting here, you're saying, God, I want to taste this love more than ever before. I want to taste your forgiveness. I want to know my righteousness. So that out of that faith that you've given me, I can be a man and woman of faith. I need to taste who you are to transform me. To deliver me from all my fears, all my doubt, all my apprehensions. I want to be changed by your love. I want to be changed by your righteousness given to me. Those of you that say with all of your heart, you desire that, stand up now. I want you, I would like to ask you to just put out your hands. And let your palms face the ceiling. And in your own words, declare your desire to God right now. Pour your heart out. And say, God, I need you. I don't really know how much you love me. I don't know the righteousness that you have given to me. I sit with so many fears, so many doubts. I don't want to be a person of doubt. I want to be a giant of faith. I want to be certain of what I do not see. I want to be sure of what I hope for. All of these things. Just pray 